0: You are listening to the Long Hollow Students podcast. For more information and to stay updated, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at LH Students. What's going on, middle school? How's everybody doing? Listen, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to be here, man. We are um, kicking off our new series um, entitled So What? And, man, we titled this series, So What? Because when we feel so often in our generation, your generation, that there is an attitude of so what when certain topics are brought up. And so we decided, and we wanted to kind of tackle these topics as a church. Because, listen, if you, if you hear about these topics anywhere, it should be at your home and it should be at your church. And so we wanted you guys to hear From God's word of our position and our opinions that come from God's word about these topics. So tonight, it's a pretty heavy topic, and we're talking about abortion. We're talking about the heavy topic of abortion. So I'll just say it. At times, we are very silent about certain issues like abortion when it comes to us as Christians or we're very judgmental. I've seen two sides, but I've seen both sides. My hope, our hope as a church, is that the posture for middle school, high school students, would it turn from, ah, so what, abortion happens, and would change from that posture to, so what can I do? What, what 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 do I do about this? What's my responsibility as a middle school student when it comes to the topic of abortion being a part of the church? What is my responsibility, if any, when it comes to abortion? So we're going to talk about that. And tonight um, we're going to look at some some scientific proof and things about abortion. We're going to look at some some rational kind of practical things about abortion. And we're going to look at God's word when it comes to abortion. And so, again, the the posture is going to be totally different. We're going to move from so what to, okay, so what can I do? But another posture we want to assume is one of love when it comes to this sensitive topic. We, We want to assume the posture of love and not judgmental when it comes to this topic. Because you may be sitting next to somebody who knows somebody who maybe got an abortion. You may be sending to somebody who, who maybe their family member. I mean, it, it could be so near and dear to somebody's heart and, heart. and so, man, our posture is one of love and not condemnation and not guilt. Man, we are here just to talk about what God's word says about it. And nobody did that better than Jesus. See, Jesus' posture was so loving that whatever he talked about, whatever he met somebody in their sin, man, that person feels so loved. By him. And so we're not gonna go into all the details about abortion. That's not that's not why we're here. Man, we're here to man present God's word to you and man, some of the facts that come with that when it comes to abortion. Jesus' posture was love. In John chapter 8, we see Jesus at the temple, and he was confronted in John chapter 8 by some Pharisees and some religious leaders. And when they when they confronted Jesus at the temple, they they brought this woman who had committed adultery. Notice how they only brought the woman. It takes two to tango. But they brought the woman who had committed adultery. And they said, Jesus, this woman has been caught in adultery. The law says we're supposed to stone her to death. What what do you say, Jesus? Hoping to catch him in some kind of mishap. And Jesus in the most gracious posture that I, pray, I can't even imagine, he gets down and starts to write something in the sand. And, and get the picture, he is surrounded, this woman is in the middle. She is spot ex in the middle, surrounded by these men, these religious men who have made a circle around her and made her a spectacle because of her sin. And Jesus, the God of the universe, bends down and starts to write something in the sand after they just say, hey, hey so what do you say, Jesus? What should we do Or Should we stone like the law says? He starts to write. And then after he had finished writing, he looked up and he says, ye who is, out, who is without sin, let him throw the first stone. If you're here and you have no sin, you're the first one who's going to throw the stone at her. You're the first one that's going to start stoning her. And one by one, as they looked down into the sand and saw what he wrote, one by one they started to leave. Backing up away from the sinner after facing their sin themselves. They start to leave. And then Jesus says these words to her. John chapter eight, he says, "Woman, where are they? Where are they?" He says, "Has no one condemned you?" "No one, Lord," she answered. Look at what he says. He says, "Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin any more." Understand that the posture Jesus takes. With this woman who has sinned, that let's just talk. She she has sinned. She's committed adultery. But his posture was so loving, so gracious. And I want I want to I want to be careful that man. I want to make sure that we take that same posture when we are face to face with somebody who is in sin. Face to face with somebody who man is dealing with something as sensitive as adoption, man, we are never to puff up our chest and look over somebody and say, you are a sinner. That is not our place as believers. We are never to do that. We are never to act in a way contrary to the way that Jesus acted, especially on a topic like this. June 6, 1977, Gianna Jensen was born. Her 17-year-old parents at the time walked into an abortion clinic to terminate the pregnancy. Without going into details, they went to have her killed. When she was delivered, they expected to see a not-alive fetus coming out. What they saw was an alive baby. She was then put up for adoption because her 17-year-old parents didn't want her. She is now one of the biggest advocates for pro-life when it comes to abortion in America. She's spoken all over the world, the United States, in favor of every life mattering at any stage of a pregnancy. My big idea tonight is this. And I get it, it's heavy, but bear with me. Our life has value. Our lives have value. Because God gives us our value. Our life has value because God gives us our our value. As believers... We see that Jesus was a pro-life. He was for life. He stopped his lady from being stoned. He is for life, and as believers, man, we should be pro-life also. We should be for life also. But that means we're for all life. We're for all living. We're, we're, we're not just for the unborn, but, man, we should be for life for, um, the, the, I mean, for the, for the poor. For the sick, for the homeless, for the mentally challenged, for the refugees, for the inmates, those who have had an abortion, for those who are in any kind of sin, except. The list goes on. We are for people. We are for love. We are for life. You see, Jesus valued life. And he valued our life so much that what he did was he came down from heaven to give his own life so that we could keep ours. And he's for life because the Father is for our life. The the, the Father gives value to our lives. The Father values our life so much that what he did was he sent the Son, he sent Jesus to give his life so that we could keep ours. Man, what what a topic so heavy is, how how do we approach abortion? It gives you that kind of weird feeling inside, like, man, I don't know if I even feel like talking about this. Like, can, can we just not talk about this tonight? Can we just can we just talk about something else, Chef? Is there, is there any other topics to talk about? Well, that's just it. So, for so long, the church hasn't addressed these issues. Man, we believe that, man. You guys are the next generation. The next generation of voters, leaders. The next president could be in this room. Look around. The next president could be... And it's going to be like, he ain't gonna be the next president. Mm-mm. She ain't gonna be the next president. Alex, you are not. Man, I'm just kidding. You may, you may be. But we don't know. We don't know. So, this is what I wanna say How do we, top, how do we, top, how do we tackle this, this subject of abortion? Well, I think there's three things we need to, to identify. The first one is we need to look at the facts. When you look at the facts of abortion. We need to look at the facts. We also need to look at the scientific and logical information about abortion. When does it begin? When does life happen? Like, we need to figure out all that stuff. And then the last thing we need to look at is um, the biblical basis behind abortion. Is there a biblical answer, position from God's word about abortion? We're going to look at those three things. So let's, let's start with the facts. If you look up here, you'll see a, a, a counter. It's basically a a countdown of the amount of abortions that happen right now in the United States and around the world. And so you see as the the timer clicks, um, well, it's probably not live right now, but that's a live kind of look at the abortions that happen right now. And so there's abortions that happen in the U.S. up there is the ones that happen with incest, um, 16, uh, Planned Parenthood, all that stuff is kind of, those are the numbers of the abortions. But let's look mainly at the United States numbers. So alone in the United States, since 1973, there's been 60 million abortions. 60 million abortions. Get this, in the, in the year, there's about a million and 95,000 abortions that happen every single year. A day. There's about 3,000 Abortions that happen a day. A second. There's about every 30 seconds, there's one abortion that's happening. Again, I know this is heavy, but these are facts. These are what the numbers tell us. To help you understand, um, everybody know who Hitler was, right? Who, who does, everybody knows what Okay, please tell me they taught you who Hitler was. Okay, so Hitler, if you don't know was a Nazi German dictator. OK? This on this, this. Hitler's main priority when he was in charge was to exterminate killing all Jews in Germany. He wanted them all, He wanted them all just gone. So if you weren't blue eyes, blonde hair, Caucasian, you did not survive. At that time. His main objective was to eradicate all Jews. Hitler was only able to kill six million Jews during that time period. Six million. In light of abortion, six million doesn't even cast a little shadow or dent in 60 million babies being killed since 1973. I want you to feel that, the weight of that. This this is murder. When looking at the science part, let's move to science. When looking at science, there's three questions we have to ask ourselves when we think about the science part of abortion. There's three questions. The first question is this. Is the baby that's unborn is it alive? Is the baby that's in the mother's womb, is that baby alive? The second question is this is the unborn separate from the mother? Are they both one body or are they separate from each other? And the last question we have to ask ourselves when we're thinking about the science part of abortion is how do we know the baby's human? And that may sound crazy, but these are some of the arguments that we've been presented in our society today. So let's start with the first question. Is the unborn baby alive? Well, every embryonic book you will look up, textbook, will say that life happens at conception. It grows. If it grows, it's living. Did you know at five weeks pregnant, five to six weeks pregnant, you could possibly hear a heartbeat? From a baby, five to six weeks, there's already a heartbeat. And so, and so this is a good rule of thumb. Man, if, if something's growing, it's living. Man, how do you know that a tree is alive? It's growing. It's living. It's hard to say that something's not alive when you hear a heartbeat. The next part, the question is, is the unborn separate from the mother? And here's the crazy part. So there are are parts in in this nation right now that you could be driving, get it, don't miss this. You could be driving your car on a way, on the way to get an abortion. You could be driving your car on the way to kill your baby. And if you get hit by a car, and your baby dies, you survive, the person who hits you is charged with manslaughter. They're charged with murder, killing your baby. But if you do make it to the abortion clinic and successfully kill your child, it is not considered murder. See, there's a disconnect here in our thinking when it comes to abortion and if it's a, the baby's alive or not, there's a disconnect. Because what Roe versus Wade will tell us, which is a government case in 1973 that I keep referring to, Roe versus Wade ruled in favor of the mother having the choice to terminate anything in her body. Anything that was in her body, she was able to terminate, and that included her baby. And so now you have this distinction between, well, if it's in my body, I have full control over it. Well, excuse me if I'm wrong, but does the baby have a different DNA to you? Yes. Is the genetic makeup of the baby different than yours? Yes. Do you have the same blood type as the baby? Not all the time. So the argument that if the baby's inside of me, it's part of my body, it's Totally ludicrous. We have to understand that the babies and mothers have separate bodies. And the last one question we have to answer is if the baby is human. And it may sound silly to say, like, okay, is the baby human? Like, of course, but like, that is an argument. Like, is, is it actually a human yet? If it's, if it's a fetus and it's growing into a human is it, is it growing into a human, or is it already a human? Well, this is, this is what we say. We say that, yes, it's a human. We say, yes, it's a human. And one way is to know that's human is because that humans give birth to humans. And I know that may sound super silly, like, OK, Steph, like what, why we, but this is an argument that people give when it comes to abortion. Is it a human yet? And so what, what, what Roe versus Wade did, now get it, don't miss this. What Roe versus Wade did in that court case is they, they gave humans the right to dictate what value other humans have. Let me say it again. So what that court case did is, is man, now as humans, we have the right to tell you what, is, what value other humans have. So the question is, how do you determine what value other humans have? Because we know that our value comes from God. That's our big idea. Our value comes from God. So now this court case says now, well, we can determine, man, who has value, what human has value. If it's in my body, I can determine what value it has. So how do you determine value? So so, so do you determine value by size? Is that that a way to determine value? Okay, well, let's try it out. Okay, so let me see. Um, Let me me get somebody. uh, let me see, let's see. Can we get Matt, Matt Smith, Matthew Smith. Come on, come on on stage, Matthew. Give a hand for Matt Smith, got a have a Matt Smith. He had no idea he was coming on stage today. No idea he was coming on stage. Didn't warn him, he's probably freaking out, it's fine. So, let me get somebody else, let me get somebody else. Let me get somebody else. Mm. Let's go Keegan, let's go. So if we take Matthew Smith here and Keegan Nofzinger, by us saying that by your size and your size is what gives you value, who would have more value here? Mr. Smith would have more value. Just because, I don't know why they're laughing at you, bro. I have no idea. Maybe it's your hat. I don't know. Just kidding. I like your hat. (laughs) It may, listen, if we're going off pure size, we'll say, well, 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 Matthew has more value. He's bigger. But we will all say, okay, Seth, that's crazy. We can't get rid of Keegan. First of all, his mom would kill me. But besides that, he's still a person. He's still a human being. We can't determine value by size. That's ludicrous. All right, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. We can't, we can't determine value by size. Well, well, can we determine value by something else? Can we de- determine value by development? Well, if, if your brain is developed enough, then you, then you have value as a person. Then you have value as a human being. And you, and you can't be aborted then when, you're, when your brain is developed, fully developed. Well, did you, did you know this? That your brain, and this is, this is very true with guys. maybe may a little earlier for girls. But your brain is not fully developed until you get to age 26. Did you know that? that your brain is not fully developed. So my brain just stopped growing two years ago, like it's just done, I'm out. So what I got, that's it, and I'm just kidding. I can can still learn, but listen, your brain does not fully develop until 25, 26 years old. So if you're under 25, 26, raise your hand. I mean, adults in the room are getting really mad at me. Like, thanks chef, show my age, appreciate it. Not coming back next week. If you're if you're under 26, 25, you're expendable. Like you don't have much value if we if we determine your value by your development because you got a long ways to go. And we would say, "Chef, that no, that that's insane. You can't you can't determine value by development because that, that's just crazy." Okay, so what if we determine value by environment? So where you, where you grow up, where you, where you are born? Man, let's, let's determine value by that. So, okay, who, who, who's all from Hunter in the room? Who goes to Hunter? Okay, all right. Who goes? All right, yeah. Okay, all right. What about Knox Doss, Knox Doss, Knox Doss? Remember Knox Doss? Station camp, from Station Camp, we're not booing. Station camp, all right. White House, White House, White House, White House. White House, White House, Hawkins. We got Hawkins in the room, Hawkins, anybody from Hawkins? Ellis, you right from Ellis. Woo! Awesome. So listen, shh. Now what if I say, what if I say this? What if I say, listen, shh. Based on your environment and what school you go to, anybody who does not go to Hunter, you have no value. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Shh. Crazy. We we would we would say, Chef. No, that's crazy. I still matter. I still have value. Shh. I still have value even though that I grow up, I go to somewhere different, like my environment does not matter. My environment does not give me value. So what determines our value? Well, is it, is it dependency? Is it being dependent? So the more that I'm dependent on somebody or something, gives me less value. Well, this is hard because we, we, we start to sound a lot like Adolf Hitler, the one who killed all the Jews. You guys remember? So we, we, we start to sound a lot like him when we start to think like that because if you have any kind of birth defect or mental illness or whatever, physical, whatever the case may be, I mean, that means that you have no value. And we would say, chef, no, that is insane. And we would never say that. So what in us Thinks that we can determine what life has value and what life doesn't have value. The answer is we can't. Our value comes from God. Hands down, that's it. Our value comes from God across the board from conception. And so when we when we have to think about abortion and the horrible topic of abortion, man, that's a great rule of thumb, man, that our value is not determined by any other circumstances, but that it comes from God. Not our size, not our dependency, nothing else but from God. So let, let's see what God's word says about us as we close. Genesis one 26-27 says this, Then God said, let us make man in our own image. And in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own, say it. In his own what? In his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Get it? You have been created in the image of the Father. There is value in being created in God's image. Psalms 139, 13 through 16 says this, For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You guys remember we just played this game and we, we knitted, well, Cooper tried to knit, um, a sweater. And I understand, this is, this, is Carrie, this is not Cooper's. Cooper did nothing near this. Where are you, Cooper? You, you do not know how to knit. You do not. Sorry, but I love you. But. So listen. I, I love how they use the word knit and we're getting ready to close. I love how they use the word knit here because understand, when you are knitting something together, get it. There is intentionality. I can't knit, so i just whatever. There's intentionality when it comes to knitting. You're not aimlessly just, okay, I hope something happens like Cooper did. Like this try to No no. You are you are meticulously. Intentionally going thread by thread to create something of value that matters. It's not by happen chance. No, you are knitting something together. And when when the Bible, when when David used this word, that you knit me together in my mother's womb, then feel the intentionality behind your creation, behind your creator, God. Feel the value that comes with that when you are knit together in the mother's womb. The value that comes behind that is so weighty that what man can determine and put a value on something that God has made with his own hands? It's impossible. last verse I'm going to read is this. This is what the Lord says, your redeemer, who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. God himself formed you and created you. So now that you know the science, you know the facts, you know, man, God's opinion about adoption. A- a- So what? Is that is that the response, really? Is it, is it so what? My hope after, after hearing that would be, okay, chef, what, what, what's, what's next? I mean, it, it, babies are dying every second. What, what's, what's next? That's what I'm, what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three walking points and we're going to be dismissed. I'm going to give you three walking points. And this is, this is a kind of a charge for us as a church. This is a charge for us as a church. And after that, we're going we're to hear the story of Gianna Jensen, who was supposed to be dead when her 17-year-old mother went to abort her. And we're going to see what she has to say about her life now and her story and, and get it. The, the, the three walking points center around that. So the first walking point is this. Have open and loving, honest conversations about abortion. So get it. I, you guys are a lot of you guys are in middle school, and so man, man, this is a great time to go home and ask questions to your parents. Your parents are like, oh, really, Steph? Yes, this is a great time to go home and ask questions. This is a great time to figure out and let your, your parents slowly and show you what this stuff is about. But have these honest and loving conversations. You may you may be you may hear a friend that brings up man like, well, my sister had it with my my best friend. Man, would you would you love that person? Would you show grace and mercy? Would you not judge them? Would you, would you please show the love that Jesus showed the adulterous woman in front of the temple? Would you have grace and mercy in your speech and love in your tone? The second thing that I want you guys to do is, man, if you're able to volunteer, man, would you go down to Crisis Pregnancy Center and would you volunteer your time? A lot of you may be too young in the room, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you guys are too young. Man, would you tell your parents, hey, would you take me down there? Would, could you serve with me? Man, I want to I wanna love people who are struggling or about to. Man, I want to get involved somehow with that, man. Would we be the church that would serve and walk along moms who are debating this, this decision or moms who've had it and regret it? God, would we be the church that come alongside them? I don't think that's too big for you middle school. I don't think that's too big for middle school Christians in the room. Guys, don't miss this. Last one is this. Value all people. Would you value all people you encounter? Would you value all people of walks of life with the bad decisions, with the good decisions? Would you love and value people in the name of Jesus Christ?